It's so good to be back together again, isn't it? And uh, school's back, isn't it? Tomorrow or whenever, and uh, and we've got heatwave starting. So it's uh, it's just perfect timing, isn't it? As always uh, with a heatwave. Um, and this is a new new season of um, of church life as well, and. Uh, I'm really excited about it. God gave me this theme for this Sunday, I don't know, weeks ago now, months ago. Um, you know, we, we, we pray about these themes, and uh, I was telling somebody this week that I was praying about what we should be looking at in January and February and March, and they were quite horrified and thought they were that far ahead, but you have to be um, in this just to be sort of praying and, and seeking God and asking him just to show us what, what's on his heart and what he wants us to uh, look at. And, and so this is, is the sort of theme, together... Um, one in heart and mind, and you'll see where it, it goes in a moment or two. But um, I just think it's a good opportunity right now just to, you know, the, the sort of summer holidays are over and sort of the silly season, as, as pastors call it, uh, when, where church is all over the place for a month, six weeks, has come to an end. And it's, it's really looking at where we're at as a church and, and where our focus should be over these coming, ne you know, next few weeks, right up to sort of Christmas and, and uh, New Year. And um, I was reflecting on the fact that, that Julia and I were privileged to come and join the church almost two years ago. I think it was the 20th of September. Um, and when we first came, I brought this series called um, Reunite, Rebuild and Re-Empower. And uh, we spent nearly two years doing that. And there's still more work to be done. Um, but we feel like we've made really good progress, but, but there is still more work to be done. Uh, to be done. And we've re-established our services, we've, we've deepened our worship, together we've done that. We've strengthened our biblical teaching, we've redeveloped our life groups, we've trained, we've released new people, we've re-established our Sunday Kids Church and Creche, and, and now we have youth ministry on a Sunday. Yes, I'm so excited about that, starting next Sunday. Um, we've established a bi-monthly Connect Lunch, monthly prayer night, pre-service prayer. Uh, we've improved our media. You saw that. Thank you, Chantel, for the great videos. Uh, our notices, our social media. Uh, we've moved our church database onto Church Suite and so much more. We've re-established our identity as well. We know who we are and what we believe. And, and can I say, it's, it's very hard to have unity where anything goes, where anything is believed and anything is acceptable and there has to be clarity in areas of theology and belief and practice in order for a church to be together and one in heart and mind and I believe we've uh, achieved that in these last few uh, months and I believe we're, we're, be we're beginning you know just to move forward in some other stuff now and um, we're working on a, creating a clearer leadership structure appointing new elders, new trustees to strengthen our leadership teams. And my heart is really to, to continue developing the, the ministries of the church, the discipleship, which is going to be so important in the coming weeks, and establishing clear next steps for, um, for new people joining our church, but for new Christians as well, um, becoming a part of um, the kingdom. And we want to be pivoting our evangelism and our outreach, and you'll hear a bit more about that in the coming uh, weeks. But, you know, one of the things that's, that's so deep in my heart is this. We want to see more people becoming Christians, like this lady. That's what we're here for. We're here to win people for Jesus Christ and then help them become disciples and help you guys who are so many of you already Christians to become true disciples, true followers of Jesus um, Christ. You know, 
when we came for our interview two years ago, I think I've said this before, but uh, we, the elders took us around the town on Saturday, and uh, I think we had lunch, and that's I think we had lunch in here actually. And um, Helen, I remember Helen saying very clearly when we were. I don't even know what the name, near the town hall, um, she said, you know, people used to come to Banbury to find Christ. And when she said that, there was like a moment in my heart, my heart leaped inside. It was like, it's like my spirit, spirit inside me leaped. And, uh, you know, we spent two years putting a lot of stuff in place, but now it's time to help people find Christ. It really is time to help people find Christ. And as I was prepping this message, these, these few words, we just put them on screen for me, just came to mind. And it feels like a bit of a mission statement. I haven't even had time to talk to the elders about it and see if they're happy with it. Um, but it, but it, it just came to me that, you know, we need to love God and reach people and make disciples. And, you know, one of the things for me was, that I, as I was looking at it, my first sort of slant at it was love God and love people and make disciples. And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, that's sh not sharp enough. Because you can hide behind that. Love God, love people, make disciples. No, love God, reach people. We've got to reach people. We've got to start reaching the people of Banbury. And, and I, want to see, um, I want to see more salvation in this church. I want to see more healings and miracles and breakthroughs. I want to see the baptismal pool used more often. And I want to see people come to faith and be set free to become the people that God has created them to be. That's my heart and my passion. And we spent two years building and putting things in place and we're not there yet. But we've we've got to have that. We've got to have that. That's where we've got to be looking. Not inward, but outward to those who are out there. And as I read the Bible, I'm struck by the unity and togetherness we see in the Bible. That whenever God's people were going to do something big for God, there was this incredible unity and togetherness. You know, when we look back at the conquest of the promised land, we see God raising, uh, rescuing Israel from Egypt, from Pharaoh, and, and the horrendous treatment they were experiencing there. And, and he rescues them, and he promises them the promised land, this land flowing with milk and honey. And, of course, if you remember the story, they had to wait 40 years to, to go into uh, Canaan, into the promised land. And, um, you know, in Numbers 32, it, it, Moses appeared to have a little problem with two of the tribes. Just as they're wanting to go into this promised land, and the Reubenites and the Gadites, we can put it on screen if you like, um, they got these, they were, they, were, they were shepherds, and they'd got these large herds, and they saw this land east of the Jordan, of course, crossing the Jordan to go into the promised land, they saw this land. And so they came to Moses and Eliza the priest, and, and they basically said, do not, do not make us go across the Jordan. Now, commentators over the years have sort of argued over, did they really mean we're not going to go and fight or not? But never mind whether they did or they didn't, Moses was not impressed with this. And he basically says to them, look, guys, we're all in this together. Twelve tribes together, united to conquer the promised land. And if you move further forward into Joshua chapter 1, you'll see that one of the first things that Joshua does as he leads the children in Israel, as he gets them prepared and ready, he says to them at one point, get ready, you know, pack your bags, get ready. We're crossing the Jordan, we're going into the promised land. And, he's, and he says to the uh, Reubenites and the Gadites, guys, come on, don't forget the promise you made to Moses. You need to fight with us until the land is established, until we've completed the conquest of the promised land. And of course, if you read the story, you'll see that they did that. They fought with their brothers to complete the conquest of the uh, promised land. You see, there, were, there was no spectators. 
There was no one sitting back. There was nobody hiding in the land east of the Jordan. They all fought together, united together, one in heart and mind. And as we look at the early church, we see this incredible sense of togetherness and unity that they were in it together. We can put the uh, next slide up in Acts, Acts 1, 12. And um, the G uh, Jesus ascended to heaven. It says this, And the apostles returned to Jerusalem from a hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judah, Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, um, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Now, there's one word that's really important in there. Together. That sentence does not need together in it. They all joined constantly in prayer. But together, well, you'd have thought they were together. Well, well of course they were together. They were with one another in that moment. And it's almost missed that little word, that little verb, together. And I want to put together and, and show you what it means in the Greek. It means with one mind or purpose, with one accord at the same time, unanimous, and having the same passion and desire, having the same thoughts. Isn't that interesting? They weren't just meeting together to pray, but they, they were one in mind and purpose, one accord at the same time, unanimous, having the same passion, the same desire, the same thoughts. That was their sense of togetherness. They weren't just a group of people in a room like this. They were together. They were in it together. And we see this incredible togetherness and unity and oneness and devotion everywhere we look in this early part of the, uh, the New Testament. If we move on to the next one, if we can. Um, they devoted themselves. You know, that word devoted means, is, is the same word that's used in the, in the Old Testament for the giving over completely of a nation, where God said to them, destroy that nation, give it over completely, devote it to me. That's strength in this word. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers, there it is again, isn't it? Were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Keep going. Every day they continued to meet together. It's that word again. It's that verb again. In the temple courts, they broke bread in their homes and ate together. I didn't highlight it, did I? We're glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What an impact of their togetherness, their being one in heart and mind, their unity, their passion together. And then as we, as we look on, if we go to the next one as well, Acts chapter 4, on their release, Peter, um, go back one, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together. It's that same Greek word again, in prayer to God. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And the next slide as well. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. 
with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. There is something about this togetherness. So I want to drive home this morning, this unity, this passion, this desire, this same thinking, this being one in heart and mind, being totally together, being on the same page. And we see the results of it throughout um, the book of Acts, particularly. And then um, the next one, if we can. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. Again, that same Greek verb. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and men, sorry, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. That's what we want to see. We want to see more and more men and women added to our number, the empty seats around you in this, in this theatre that seats about 200, I don't know what we've got in here today, 120, something like that. We want to see more and more men and women um, coming to know Jesus, and then the next slide as well. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed you see they had the same purpose the same passion they were united to build the kingdom of God and God commanded his blessing on what they were doing they made lots of sacrifices many of them lost their lives but the kingdom of God was expanded the church was established it wasn't perfect by any means we mustn't ever think that there were arguments there were disputes at times but God still worked through them Amazing. So fast forward to the Western church today. What am I going to say here? These are some of the, the words that I came up with just as I was thinking about this. Fragmented, individualistic, comfortable, at ease, distracted, consumer focus, conforming to the world, man-pleasing, lacking faith at times, a million miles from the early church, a million miles away. You know, one of the things I've been doing is I've, I've been researching a book I've been writing called Pray, Wait, Trust. I, I was looking for some quotes from some of the great saints on prayer, and it's amazing when you read their books and see how a, a million, never mind being a million miles away from, from the early church, or a million miles away from the church 100 years ago. Never mind 200 years ago. We are miles away from it, friends. We're miles away. We're fragmented and individualistic. Don't pull that up yet. Comfortable, at ease, distracted, consumer-focused, conforming to the world, man-pleasing, faithless at times. Boy, have we lost our way. I understand, and I was reflecting on this, our, our culture is so different today. And it doesn't lend itself easily to live as they lived. And I get that and we certainly have become this you put it up now uh, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God having a form of godliness but denying its power I want the church to get its power back I want us to get its power back we've got a measure of it but there is more power we read them through acts there is more power there's way more power and please I don't want you to feel condemned by this this morning this is the malaise of the western church today I'm sure it doesn't apply here in Banbury at all it's a malaise of the Western church. But somehow, in Banbury, 
I believe we can be different to the Western church generally. We can be different, and we're on a journey towards that. And I don't know what it looks like, but let me tell you, I'm so excited about it. And I feel God's doing something in this place. So this is the age we find ourselves in. So what should our response be? We've got a couple of things. We we need to recognize the enormous needs around us. There are massive needs around us. Our world is a mess. I'm 16 in three or four weeks' time, and I can't remember a time in my life where the world has been in such a mess, where our nation is in a mess. You know, the Labour Party want to leave this, lead this country. There must be bonkers. Who would want to take on this right now? And the mess and the lack of financing. You know, everything's being shaken. Everything we formerly believed is being challenged right now. Even age-old fundamental beliefs and truths are being reinterpreted for the benefit of our culture. It's a mess. Gender and sexuality is being challenged. Freedom of speech is almost gone. Read that guy, Peterson, he's written an article on how he's being treated in Canada right now and how he's being cancelled almost. Cancel culture reigns. We've got a cost of living crisis, wars and rumours of laws, uh, rumours of of, of wars. Lawlessness reigns in our nation. And if you know your Bible, you know what's coming next. The man of lawlessness. The spirit of lawlessness is already prevalent in our world right now. Look at America and the major cities where the, where, where the um, politicians believe that allowing people to do exactly as they please. Anyway, don't get me on that. Lawlessness reigns. And this is the thing. People are lost. They're harassed. They're helpless. They're hurting. They have no hope. They need Jesus. They need to know Jesus. You know, our world needs Jesus, but your friends need Jesus. Your family need Jesus. And people need to experience the love and the acceptance and the forgiveness of Jesus. They need to experience this for themselves. And we cannot keep going, I'm all right, Jack. We have to start getting a heart for the people out there. Because everyone needs to experience the love and the acceptance and forgiveness of Jesus. And can I say this this morning? Whoever they are, they need to experience that. Whatever their gender, whatever their sexuality, whatever their race, they need to know and experience the love and acceptance of Jesus. And can I say this just to to nail something which is an untruth? Everyone is welcome at PCC, no matter their gender, their sexuality, the relationship they're in, no matter what, they are welcome at BCC. Now listen, let me tell you, we accept everyone here, everyone's welcome here. That doesn't necessarily mean we affirm the lifestyle choices have made, but everyone is welcome here. Everyone will be loved and accepted here. Everyone can belong here at BCC, and I want to make that absolutely clear. So number one, we recognize the enormous needs around us, and number two, we commit as far as we can to be together, that we've been united for a purpose, that we've been brought here to Banbury, to Banbury Community Church for such a time as this. 
in 2023, September, for such a time as this, called and purposed by God. So what does this togetherness look like? What does being one in heart and mind look like? And we just put them one at a time. Everyone following Jesus. Every one of us. I mean, here's a question for you. How are you going to better follow Jesus this autumn? The summer's over now. You've had your little relax, maybe. But how are you going to better follow Jesus? You know, I've been, I, go, I love going to football matches and, um, and cricket. Julia and I were at Edgebaston a couple of weeks ago for the, uh, for the 100, and we loved it. You know, when you're leaving the ground and the, the crowd's pouring out, you know, thousands of people are pouring out. You know, if, if you... When she's following me or I'm following her, you've got to stay close, haven't you? So maybe that's a tip for you in these next few months as, as we hit autumn. Everyone following Jesus, stay close to Jesus. You know, what changes are you going to make to follow Jesus? To stay close to Jesus this autumn? Because we need everyone to be doing that. Second thing, everyone called. Everyone called. We need to understand that this call, this vision that God has, this desire, this longing that God has in his heart to see, you know, hundreds, thousands of people saved in our nation, in our town. We're all called to it. It's not just my call. In fact, my call is to equip you for that call. But to do it myself as well, we're all called to go and make disciples. You're called by God right now, wherever you live, wherever you work, wherever you move, wherever you breathe, you have a calling. But we must never forget that, that we're called together for a purpose, to love God, to reach people, to make disciples. So everyone called, everyone. Turn to your neighbor and say, everyone. Dig them in the ribs. Everyone, you, that means you. We're all called to do this. So that's the second thing. So the third thing is everyone connected. I don't know if I told this story before. I'm getting older. I can't remember what I've told and what I haven't. Um, but when we went to America to meet my father, my, my birth father, um, he was an American serviceman, and you know we met him in the, uh, 2001, I think it was. And, and then we went back, um, I think we went back about two or three years later, and he decided, um, he's Syrian, his Syrian ancestry, he decided that he'd show me where he, was, where he grew up. Um, in this, this part of Omaha, Nebraska, called Little Italy. And uh, he, he showed us where his house was, and, and uh, he showed us around the area, schooling and all that kind of thing, and uh, where he hung out as a kid. And, uh, and then he said, well, we're going to take you for lunch at this, uh, I think it was lunch, at this, at this restaurant. And uh, so we went into this restaurant in, in Little Italy, and uh, all these guys were coming up and greeting me. And, uh, and I did notice that they'd got guns in their sort of... Um, jackets and uh, it turned out that this this restaurant was a well-known mafia haunt and um, uh, and uh, I've never felt so safe in all my life to be honest <laughs> says in that room but um, it was a fascinating experience for this for this for this British kid who grew up in a Christian home who who never thought he had a testimony of any interest to anyone to to find that I'd got all this uh, mafia background and and stuff going on there and these guys were walking up to me and uh, and this was the thing they were giving me these big hugs and they were saying son your family now your family now and then they gave me their business cards and they they would say to me if you're ever in trouble when you're in America just give me a call seriously several of them did this um, but, the, but the thing was, that they were saying, you're family now. And uh, I want to say to some of you this morning, you're family now. 
the church isn't just something that meets on a Sunday. It's a family. We're a family. And uh, I've noticed over the last uh, couple of years that, that some of you are not very connected. It's just Sunday. And I want to encourage you to be part of the family, to get connected, to join a life group to join a team somewhere, to get connected with other people, that when we put a, an event on, you come to it and be part of the family. Because let me tell you, God planted you here. You're missed when you're not at stuff. You're missed by, the, you know, you've got gifts and ministries and words of encouragement, all kinds of things. You can invest in the family. You can, you can, you've got something to bring and to offer. So let's have a stronger sense. I think it got fragmented during the lockdowns of family, community, being connected, belonging here, everyone connected. Don't be a stranger, your family now. Everyone praying. I don't know if you noticed that in Acts 1, 14. Uh, I read it out earlier. They all join together constantly in prayer. I love the way the Passion Version puts it. All of them were united in prayer, gripped with one passion, interceding night and day. Wow. And actually, the Aramaic, the, the Passion Version, very good, has some really helpful Aramaic uh, terms, says they prayed with one soul, with one soul, one in heart and mind again, united. That word again, togetherness, unity. They were devoted to prayer, and look at the results. Look at the results. And I want us to be a church in this season as we move forward, this, this togetherness, this one in heart and mind, that, that we're a praying people and we're a praying church. And I want to, I want to encourage you to, to invest in your prayer life. I've seen some incredible answers to prayer in the last few weeks, some incredible ones. And you know what it has meant? It has meant praying and praying and praying and praying, several times a day, praying and praying and praying and seeking God. I'm seeing some, some great opportunities to share my faith with people. I'm seeing my children who have gone away from God in, in recent years starting to open up. Prayer, prayer, prayer. The early church grew and prospered and became more powerful and influential in Jerusalem because they were a praying church. And so over these next few months, we want to increase our prayer life. And I want you to increase your prayer life. Pray for us who lead the church. Pray for the community. Pray for your friends. Pray for our outreach ministries. Pray. Listen, you don't need a prayer list. Just let God lead you to pray. So everyone praying. Everyone serving as well. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. The New Testament, Paul says several times, serve one another with love. And I find that our, our life group leaders can't even get people to commit to serve tea and coffee on a Sunday. It's shocking. You can't even do that for one another. Serve one another with love. You know, God wants you to use the gifts and abilities he's put within you, and we have so many gifted people in this place. How can you sit on your hands when there's a need in the church? How can you do that? Together, one in heart and mind. How can you sit in a congregation when there's no drummer and you're a drummer or a guitarist or whatever or a singer or whatever it is? Or you could be working with the children or whatever it is or, or working at the hill or faith works or, or whatever it is. How can you sit on your hands when there are people out there who do not know Jesus? How can you do How dare you? 
if I can say it. How can you do it? Well, there's a whole world out there that needs winning for Jesus Christ. So use your gifts and abilities. But if you don't know what you are, what, what they are, serve anyway. Serve the jolly tea and coffee on a Sunday morning. But do something to contribute, because we should all be contributing. And this is the thing with the Western church. Too many consumers and not enough contributors. And can I ask you this morning, are you a consumer or contributor? What are you contributing right now? I'm sorry, I feel like I'm getting angry here, but it's, maybe it's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I'm not I'm wishing to condemn you, but I, I believe there's a conviction from the Holy Spirit that needs to come upon some of you to stop sitting on your hands and start serving. Start using what God's put inside you. And let me tell you this, when you start using what God has put inside you, it is so fulfilling. You get up early to do it like I do to write a book. 6 a.m., half five to write a book because I'm too busy the rest of the day. And you'll be so fulfilled. So no more sitting in the stands. We want everyone on the pitch. We've got vacancies right now in our PA and media volunteers and with our musicians, drummers particularly, in Sunday Kids Church, in youth, building this new youth team, welcome team, life group leaders, and people to share life and faith at our outreach ministries. And we're going to be talking about that more on the 17th of September, a couple of weeks' time. We're going to have a whole focus on, on, our, on what we're doing out there in the community. So it's time to step up. Everyone's serving. Next thing, everyone making sacrifices. You know, those early Christians, they made so many sacrifices for the kingdom of God, for the early church. We wouldn't be here today if they hadn't done that. Well, what about the next generation? In this age we live in where the church is more and more being persecuted, where pastors are afraid to say what they believe from the front in case there are people outside with banners the following Sunday. This is the age we live in. So we're going to have to make sacrifices. I love the story of David where David has done this senseless census that God has told him not to do. And then Israel comes under this curse and, and the priest comes to him and says, you need, to, you need to make a sacrifice. You need to build an altar and make a sacrifice. And he, he goes to this guy, Arona, who and says to him, you know, I, I, need this, um, I need to buy this land off you. And the guy says, well, you know, you're the king. You, you know, he, he's probably thinking to himself, if, if I insist on him buying it, he'll probably chop my head off and take his money back or whatever. But David says, no. He says this, I will not sacrifice the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. We live in a generation of avoiding cost, folks. That's the Western church today. I'm sure it doesn't apply here, but that is the Western church today. You know, can I remind you, your, your faith, your life, your breath cost Jesus everything. Cost Jesus everything. And so we must be willing to to pay the price at times. You cannot have a Christian faith without cost. This is what the Western church is trying to do today. But you cannot have a Christian faith without some cost to you, without some sacrifice, without some service, without some giving and praying and reaching people. And so this cost includes giving as well. I encourage you in this season to, to give to God's house. Whether you believe in tithing or not, I don't really care because the New Testament principle is we give everything. We're generous to God because he's been so generous to us. He's been so generous to us, hasn't he? He's been so good to us. And then two more to go, just two more. 
everyone sharing their lives, faith in Jesus. This is something that we're going to start focusing on for the next three Sundays. And it really comes from this um, Isaiah 61 movement, which is really all about an app. And I encourage you to have a look at it if you want to, uh, where uh, John Kirkby, the guy who leads CAP, um, he's, he's retired from that now, and he's set up this ministry just helping Christians to share their life and their faith and share Jesus. And the app is so good. I'm, I'm hooked into it. And the elders are on it already, and uh, we, we just just loads of tips every week for how to, to do that. I mean, for instance, a tip the other week was um, take your earphones off and talk to someone. You know, it's just, it's, it's not heavy. Um, you know, or ask somebody how they are and just listen to the answer. Loads of tips on that. So we're going to be focusing on that um, over the next few weeks. And uh, we want to go after the lost. We want to reach the lost of Banbury and beyond. I'm really excited about that. And I've, I've committed myself to, to praying and sharing life and sharing faith and, and sharing Jesus. I mean, here's the thing. How many of us, I'm not asking you to put your hands up now, have led someone to Jesus in the past year? Or in the past, yeah, well, you have, definitely. Um, yeah. um, and uh, we'll give you a Blue Peter badge later. Um, I used to have a Blue Peter badge. I wonder what's happened to it. Um, how many of us have led someone to Christ in the past year or the past decade or even ever? How many of us have shared our faith even recently? Let's change that together. Let's change that together, one in heart and mind. Then the final one. Is everybody in? Everybody in. That's what I want to see. That's what I believe God wants to see in this season. We're all in. All in together. Nobody spectating. All in. Everyone supporting and encouraging. Everyone on board. And somehow replicate that sense of togetherness in this crazy Western world we live in, which I, which I acknowledge is not the same culture that they were in there, but we can, we can replicate it somehow. Psalm 133, verse 1 says this, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It is like precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. It's like the dew of Hermon, descending upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Let's be in this together, in it together, one in heart and mind. Let's be in it together. So, next slide, please. Love God, reach people, make disciples. That's what I think we should be targeting right now as a church as we move forward. We put a lot of stuff in place. There's more to come and, and help us with that. You know, can I say this? You know, if you've got gifts and abilities and ministry, you know, offer don't wait to be asked thank god for Chantel who came to me one day and said would you like video news to be done would i like it i'd love it who wants somebody standing here for 10 minutes waffling well we're gonna have that for for three minutes beautifully presented that we can share anywhere she came and said i've, I've got this ability can i help with it well, what about uh you today love god reach people make disciples seriously i think there's a there's a massive adventure ahead for banbury community church I think it's so exciting. It would be the trip of a lifetime. You know, and as you join us together, as we're united together, as we go for it with God, as, as we seek God together and serve God together, there will be an overflow into our lives, an overflow of blessing and favor into our families and into our homes and into our careers and into our situations. 
but we need to do it together. So, this is a promise from God. I'll be with you always. That's what Jesus said. And I will be with you always. He is with us in this. So, let's be a congregation that expect great things from God and we attempt great things for God in these coming months. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together, shall we? Just hold that for a moment here. Just hold that. You know, when, when Joshua had conquered the promised land, when he'd conquered it and they were at peace, and uh, he brought them together at Shechem, and he, he um, asked them to gather as a nation to renew the covenant, the covenant uh, with God, and he challenged them with these words. And I want them to use those words as we close this morning. This morning. So Joshua said to them, he's an old man by this point, so fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. That's what we want to do, isn't it? We want to serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. He's got to become number one, hasn't he? God first. Seek first the kingdom. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. That's a good question, isn't it? If he isn't number one, if he isn't your priority, then who are you serving? Interesting thought. Would you prefer the, the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my household... We will serve the Lord. Amen. Maybe we can make that our declaration as we close this morning. Maybe we can say that together. Are you ready for it? But listen, don't say it unless you mean it. Mm. There's a verse in the Bible about being careful about the vows we make before God. Mm. Let's say it together, shall we? Mm. But as for me, as for me and my, my household, household, we, we will serve, serve the Lord. Lord. Amen. 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 Let's worship together as we close. Worthy of every Sunday.